everybody. Welcome to episode 47 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam, and I'm here with Dave. How are you, sir? Doing good, and you? Ah, uh, I am all right. All right. I am all right. It's, you know, we both had long days, I think. So, yes. but we're here, and I'm happy to be here. I'm excited. This is a great way to cap off my day. Recording with you, my good friend. <laughs> all right, Dave. Tell us about something cool. Tell you about something cool. Um, you know, we mentioned the screw tape letters during our last podcast, as we were talking about. Um, well, what were we talking about? <laughs> Something to do with the devil, maybe? I don't know. Uh, and it was, uh, I read it again this week, and I would just highly recommend anybody that is curious as to how um, things in the spiritual realm might work. The screw tape letters is a uh, good look at that. And it's just, it's very interesting because C.S. Lewis, um, well, first of all, he dedicates the books to, uh, dedicates the screw tape letters book to uh, Tolkien, who is one of his good friends. And it is a correspondence between two demons, a senior demon and his nephew. And it's kind of interesting the way it frames a lot of the things that, uh, the way we view the world and um, the subtleties that Satan and his demons probably use with us. And there's even a bit about... um, uh, and this is just one of the things that come to my mind as I'm, I'm talking about this, that, uh, well, first of all, when you, when you hear it, it's satire, and it is corresponds between two demons. And so when it refers to the enemy, it is referring to God. And uh, Satan, I think, is they refer to him as our father below. But interestingly, <laughs> um, it, it, It'll talk about uh, their their human beings that they are causing to that they're trying to tempt. Um, they refer to them as patients, and interestingly enough, one of the correspondents talks about just when you have your patient where you want them, the enemy will go and do something like send a war or an earthquake and get their attention again. And it was just kind of that opposite way of how I think we often view those kinds of things. And that, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, I, 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 it's worth your time. It's worth a, it's a quick read. Uh, it's amazing how a book written at the beginning of World War uh, II uh, applies today. And again, I think it, it just, uh, the subtleties that are there, um, if you're somebody that is trying to pursue God and walk the walk. I think you'll recognize some of the techniques that (laughs) Satan and his demon uses. And um, for what it's worth, uh, as we are talking about this, there's a new TV show called Lucifer that's on right now. Don't get your information from the TV show, Lucifer. (laughs) Go to the Bible. Go to C.S. Lewis. In fact, boycott the TV show, Lucifer. I don't think there's anything good that would come from that. He's supposed to be a crime fighter, I think, is the premise of that TV Seriously? show. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> not, a, not a crime uh, inducer? Encourager, yeah. yeah. So, 
Anyway, I probably didn't do the book justice, but like I said, it's a quick read. It's typical of C.S. Lewis. It's very deep. It's very witty. And uh, don't be offended by it because it's supposed to be satire. It's not supposed to be <laughs> encouraging, <laughs> or I guess not encouraging, but um, don't take it literally. Yeah, C.S. Lewis is not a Satanist. That much is true. Yeah. Screwtape Letters is one of the books that I got like the first like two chapters through, and then I got distracted by like a different book or a different school project, and I never went back and finished it. So maybe this will be my cause to read it all the way through this time. Yeah, it goes quickly. The first half of you describing that, I was thinking of The Great Divorce, and I was like, that's not the book I read. And then I realized, oh, wait, <laughs> I'm thinking of the wrong <laughs> C.S. Lewis book. So, all right, well... This is episode 47, and we are moving on to a new chapter in Matthew. Mm-hmm. We have made it all the way to Matthew chapter 13, and this is where the parables start coming in batches or bunches, whatever, you know, grouping term, flocks of parables, Dave. Um, and so we thought instead of starting right at the beginning of chapter 13, with the parable that's there, we would jump ahead a little bit to get to kind of what a parable is, why Jesus uses them, and kind of set a foundation for parables before we go back to the beginning of the chapter. So um, if you're listening to this in the future, we we skipped ahead and went backwards on purpose. That was planned. Yes. So today's text, I believe, if I'm correct, Dave, is Matthew chapter 13, Verses 11 through 17. It is. All right. Um, Do you want to do the honors? Yes, if you'd like me to, I will. Of course. Okay. And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's hearts has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they have closed. Lest Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn... I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. All right. Thanks, Dave. Uh, I don't know about you, but I have questions about this because, well, just because I have questions, that, that should be good enough for you. That's good enough. <laughs> All right. I guess maybe we should start with what a parable is and what their purpose is, because I feel like once we establish that, then perhaps I'm hoping this passage might make a little bit more sense. So what do you think a parable is? A parable? Yes, a pair of bulls. Parables. Um, You know... uh, and not to go too incredibly deep here, but 
anything that starts with para has to deal with coming alongside of and maybe is there an element of it it supports something i know it comes alongside of it so when you think of like parallel or a paramedic or a paralegal or even a para in schools what about a parakeet parakeet is I don't that know. the bird that sits on your shoulder no that's <laughs> a that's a parrot parrot parakeet i don't know i don't know about that one well i know what a paraclete is <laughs> true uh so yeah so parable is um something that comes alongside uh and complements something so a parable is a, is a story that parallels something. It comes alongside it. It it's similar to. So it's, by coming alongside of it's, you're saying it's a story used perhaps to. Um. Oh, I just had it. Now it's gone. Like it comes alongside the current situation and helps to expose the truth. That would be good, yes. Sort of, right? So, like, I'm thinking of the parable that comes before this, which I believe is the parable of the sower, right? Mm -hmm. And it uses a very common, um, at least at that point in time, a very common metaphor to expose a greater truth, right? So it comes alongside of something common that everyone knows um, to reveal something that they might not have seen before. Does that am I am I close? Am I in the ballpark? Yes, and I think one of the things I I, I was trying is it a metaphor? I I mean I'm truly like well it's not a simile it's not <laughs> I know that uh so yes we'll go with metaphor. Well, I mean I'm not trying to be like a pain here. But I'm trying to figure, I'm like, and I should have thought this through before we started talking instead of, uh, it's a simple story and it illustrates a principle or something that Jesus, like, uh, uh, something that Jesus is trying to, to demonstrate. So is that, is that a metaphor? I'm trying to think of all the different things. Perhaps that, it's that just terrible. Cause in illustration. The, that might be a better, better term because the 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 um, the sower is definitely a metaphor. Maybe that's maybe that's a way to 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 is uh, a parable can be a metaphor can be a metaphor, but they're not all metaphors. And like I said, I should have been um, better prepared to. Um, well, some of them have like story or narrative because, like the prodig- like the prodigal son is mm-hmm. a parable, right? So, I guess that's a metaphor for well, God and us. Yeah, but like it's not as strong of a metaphor as like the kingdom of God is a mustard seed. That's a right. straight metaphor, exactly. Whereas, like the the parable of the sower, the parable of the prodigal son, or um, I'm thinking the one of the vineyard and the tenants. That like that's much more narrative. It's mm-hmm. it, there's an overarching idea and illustration going on, but it's not as simple or straightforward a metaphor as the mustard seed or the buried treasure in a field, which is Thank like you. a straight metaphor. You said better what I couldn't quite get oh, out of my brain. So. <laughs> that's because I'm in your head, Dave. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's very they're they're brief. Uh, 
they're instructive and it's a lesson or a principle. And um, we've reached a point where um, Jesus has gone from the Sermon on the Mount and being very direct and how he's talking about things to now suddenly he's decided that he's going to speak in parables. Okay. And it seems like a very deliberate sort of shift. like shift. And to be, this never occurred to me before this week. There, It never occurred to me that there is a distinct change that happens uh-huh. here. And, and this didn't occur to me until five seconds ago, <laughs> is that perhaps at this point he feels like he has said enough and done enough that the people that are going to get it are going to get it and the people that aren't are not and perhaps he shifts his mode of teaching to really to use a biblical metaphor separate the wheat from the chaff yeah well you know because he even says you know they're at the end of the disciples uh you know they're never going to hear they're never going to stand but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear like you guys get it and the people that are going to stick with me to the end get it because I've already come out the front door mm-hmm. and said all of these things and done all of these things. And yet at this point there is still people who know scripture and don't understand who I am. Yeah. Well, I, and I even think there's this other category of kind of what we've talked about of people that are following just to follow because they want something neat to happen and they're going to hear these parables and they're the ones that are going to walk away and go, Hmm, uh, <laughs> That was deep. And then you got his disciples that are going to be like, okay, yeah, that was deep. Okay, Jesus, you're going to tell us what this means because we don't get this. And so I think there's even that piece of um, not just walking away going, oh, we heard such a great piece of wisdom and don't understand it. But then there's kind of like, I think, a, a premise of what we're talking about, why we get together and discuss this is... They're like Jesus. I I need your help. I need you. I need you to explain this to me. I need to. You know, they're wrestling with it versus just going, okay, yeah, I get this. No, 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 I don't. <laughs> Which is, I, I guess, uh, how I kind of view myself. I always think, oh yeah, I get this, and then it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out, <laughs> maybe not. I didn't quite get all of it. All right. So that's, I guess, hopefully a helpful overview of what a parable is and perhaps what purpose it might serve. Now, in verse 12, well, sorry, let's back up. In verse 11, he says, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. So again, this goes to perhaps that idea of either at this point you're going to get it or you're not, Um, which I think is, I don't want to put, words in Jesus' mouth, obviously. Um, But it strikes me as interesting that there would be such a distinct shift in his approach. Yeah. Um, I feel like if I were him, and thank God that, you know, well, I don't know. I don't know if it'd be good or bad to be Jesus. <laughs> I just, I don't have anything to, to judge that against. But, I mean, obviously it'd be good because you'd be God. But it, besides that, anyways. Um, why, if you're Jesus, would you not be as upfront and open and 
straightforward as possible the entire time, knowing that you only have a set amount of time on the planet. Why, why do you at, at, at some point decide, okay, now I'm going to go the, um, enigmatic storyteller route as opposed to just laying it all out to bear like I did in the Sermon on the Mount. Like what, what do you think goes into that type of decision? Because it doesn't make sense to me. Like it's easier to believe when you can see it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and yet he's there and he still chooses to go this, um, more mysterious route towards the end. And I just, I don't understand why he would do that. Well, and this, this was one of the things I think that kind of hit me this week was, uh, verse 12 in Matthew that we'd been spending quite a bit of time. There's definitely this sort of, um, coming to a head with his conflict with the Pharisees and them constantly challenging him on things. And, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe this doesn't just go away. Maybe it continues because obviously they don't just leave him alone. No, they kill him. They kill him. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> That's our other podcast, Dave. <laughs> uh, and so, th- th- uh, yeah, I, there to me, and I don't, I don't have the answer to this, but I would just say as I was looking this over this, this week, it does appear to me that there was a decision made. There was a turning point in Jesus's ministry where he just says, I'm not going to do it this way anymore. And this is how, uh, I'm going to do it. And, um, you know, just, just even, even the, the, the parables, uh, that some of the parables that he teaches, there's this, this concept of God is, is worth pursuing. God is worth, um, seeking out. And, uh, so I think there's a little bit of that going on here in terms of, um, I don't, I don't, I don't think, um, salvation, hmm, I don't know how I'm, I want to say that. Salvation is easy in the sense that Jesus took care of it for us, but it wasn't easy what he went through. So it wasn't easy for him, but it becomes easy uh, for us. And as I read scripture and as I read the stories of just about everybody in the Bible, I don't get this nice, neat journey of faith for anybody, Old Testament or New Testament. Um, there's quite a bit of struggle going on and quite a bit of, of disappointment. And there's, uh, oh, putting in our own human effort into trying to make things happen and that doesn't work out. And then there's just even the, the sovereignty of God, you know, and taking sinful acts and redeeming them. And uh, so... Um, I think this might be a little bit more consistent with uh, who we've seen of of God uh, throughout the Scripture, um, in that it's not about um, it's not about transferring of facts. It's not about um, this is what can be known, and I'm going to transfer that information to you. It is about the relationship that we have with Him. And I think those parables draw out the relationship, and I think the parables draw out the the journey that we are on of seeking God. 
you know, we as Christians, we like to draw this point in time where it's like, well, this is my conversion. This is where I became a follower of Jesus. Um, and mine was never that clear cut for me. Yeah, well, me maybe it was, I don't know. Um, and, um, just that constant, we need to be in a walk with him. Uh, and it's, it's never just this imparting of information and boom, we understand that's for heaven. So I feel like I'm rambling, but, yeah, it's about, again, I, and I always come back to this, it's about relationship, it's about the journey. Uh, it's not about a single moment in time where wisdom or information is just, impa- you know, passed on to us. Right, well, that even almost ties into verse 12, which says, For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, or but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And I, I, I kind of wondered what that was talking about, but as you were speaking, as often happens, a little light bulb goes off in my head. And it seems to me that when he says, for the one who has, like the person who knows me, who has something worth having, much more will be given, and he will have an abundance. And this is that life that Christ has come to promise us, right? The life of abundance, the life of, you know, overflowing grace, that if we have Jesus, then there is more coming. We already have something great and worthwhile, but guess what? More is coming. And then the one who has not, the one who doesn't have Jesus, the one who's confused by the parables, the one that is like, what happened? Why is, he used to do all this crazy stuff, and now we're even confirmed to thinking he's crazy because now he's telling all these really weird stories that don't make sense. Even what he has will be taken away, which is obviously life without God for eternity. Mm-hmm. And so I never really read that as sort of like a uh, an apocalyptic verse. But, you know, if if I'm reading that correctly, which right now I feel like I am, I mean, that's a pretty strong shot across the bow for anyone that, can understand what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And and that kind of falls in line with what he's done in the past, but instead of coming out straight and saying it, he is telling the disciples in a much more cryptic way that you're going to be fine, they're kind of screwed. And um I just I find I'd never read that verse that way before. Um but I just find that very interesting that such an obvious statement of, you know, eternal um, situation is right there, and I totally missed it. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I think the other thing, too, though, is, um, you know, it's easy It's easy for us to understand the parable because we have 2,000 years of history since he taught them, and uh, he doesn't... You know, when his disciples do come to him and say, we don't understand, uh, he does uh, reveal them. He, he explains them uh, to them so that they can understand. Um, and I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember is that that's the case with the very first one that we look at with the sowing Correct. of the seed is that uh, Jesus um, explains to them what he's talking about and doesn't just leave them... Um, high and dry. And I I would, you know, I, I think that's available to the, that was available to the Pharisees. You know, there was that element of if they 
didn't understand and wanted to understand, they could have come to him and asked, but they would, you know, just such a condition of the heart that is revealed there that they would never, ever do that. Maybe that was the point, too, is to prove that they really were prideful. So, yeah. And in like an emperor's new clothes type of situation, (laughs) none of them wanted to admit that they didn't understand what was going on. So they all just pretended... Or they all just agreed this guy's an idiot, you know, and he's proving that he's not who he says he's because he's talking and all of these. But either way, you know, as far as recorded history shows, none of them reached out for an explanation. No. You know? No. Maybe Um, there were a few, but it's not recorded in scripture as far as I'm aware. Well, uh, yeah, you know... Uh, um, the the who have we already talked about? That? I I just feel like I'm I'm getting thinking about Nicodemus. Yeah, uh, Nicodemus, and he calls him good teacher. And why do you call me good? Did we already cover that? Was that? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> like I said, I think sen- senility is onset in my brain. Um. So anyway, uh, you know, another thing that. Is as I was looking at parables, and kind of one of the realizations uh, that I had, and uh, is that I don't think we need to put anything more into the parable than is actually there, and so, um, you know, uh, when you're when you're reading uh, the prodigal son and. Uh, he's filling his be- belly with the pods that the pigs eat. You know, there's no, well, what do the pigs represent? What do the pods represent? And they're just pigs and they're just pods. The, the, the you know, the parable is, is, is the, is the father. That I think it means that hot dogs are evil, Dave. <laughs> See, yes, that's quite possible. No, I like hot dogs. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so that's, I, I think that's the other thing uh, when you're, when you're reading the parables is don't, um, you know, overread to that when you when you t- when you know Jesus tells the story uh, of of the good Samaritan. Um, you know, he's he's talking about a couple of religious folks, and then he's uh, choosing to uh, pick a, a Samaritan who, to the Jewish person, it would be like us saying, you know, ISIS today. It just would. It's it, they don't go together. It just it doesn't fit, and so. Uh, don't read into much into that. It's just, it's saying, you know, who is my neighbor? Well, it's the least likely person that you think is going to be your neighbor and uh, things like that. So if it's not in there, uh, there's really no need to put something in there. And in fact, I think you just kind of cloud the waters and make it more confusing if you try to put things into parables that Jesus never, ever intended to be in there. So how can somebody find that line of what they think it's saying versus what... I mean, because that's... Interpretation is always this, you know, moving line, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as you alluded to earlier, we have, you know, 2,000 years of, of church history to, to kind of help guide us. But at the same time, I don't think that the average person um, has 
a firm grasp on 2,000 years of church history. And that's not to say that's because that they they are, um, you know, uh, not smart enough to understand it, but I've got a, you know, me and you both have master's degrees in this stuff, and we don't have a firm grasp on all of church history because it's 2,000 years. That's like a really, really, really long time. So how can somebody who is just reading the parables to get to know Jesus better know where, you know, that line is between what is true and and maybe what they want it to say? Uh, You know, um, one of the things is... um, just as as we kind of um, t- talked about at the very beginning, is it's a story designed uh, to teach a lesson, and um, I think if you start digging down, um, it, well, if you get caught up in the minutia, that's probably one of the signs to you. If you're getting caught up in the details and the little things, that's not the purpose of a parable. A parable is teaching a lesson. And so it's, it's generally a wide uh, principle that um, because we have um, 2000 years of history, it's, it's kind of become the norm to us. Um, When, when Jesus taught a lot of these things in his day, there were um, just elements of the story that would have been I don't know if shocking is the word, but didn't fit with the culture in the day. And I, eh, now I'm, I may be even kind of going back a little bit too far and making this more complicated um, than it should be. But there's an, there's an overarching uh, story uh, that is being taught with the parable, and we need to see that versus trying to um, go way too low, go way too down into the, the details of it. Um, I don't know. I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> well, I mean, I think your um, advice on not focusing on the minutia is is a great starting point because, again, it's a parable is you know a metaphor or an illustration that's meant to represent you know the, a, a a larger truth, and so. Uh, the parable of the sower, for example, doesn't get into, well, this was a strawberry seed that was planted here, and this was a pumpkin seed that was planted here. Like, no, it's just seeds and dirt, mm-hmm. you know, and the idea of roots and growth and what it takes to grow, right? Um, but I think that the best way to handle or um, try and understand parables is to start from the very broad uh, viewpoint and just kind of work your way in until you start feeling yourself reaching for stuff. And that seems to me to be like a good spot to stop. And then at that point you might want to do some research to make sure that you're not, you know, going off the deep end. Right. But you start with the broad, okay, this is clearly a story. What is the overarching point of the story? Right. And, again, with with the hindsight that we have, 
it seems to be fairly straightforward for most parables. There are still some that are you really have to think about, but like the whole the the mustard seed, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's the smallest plant and it grows into a giant tree. Okay, well, what is that about? That means that the kingdom of God may take root in somebody very small, but over time it may grow into mm-hmm. something larger, you know, and then you work on that idea until you start reaching for stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, why mustard and not, you know, like that sort of stuff. So I think, yeah, avoiding the minutia because again, it's a illustrative story and then focusing on the big picture of what Jesus is trying to communicate are two great places to start. And then from there, you're probably going to want to start digging into commentaries or sermons or uh, books that are written or spoken by scholars who have done the years and years and years of research into church history and, you know, um, Middle Eastern culture at that time to understand. So that you don't have to do that. You can just read their book or their article and save yourself, you know, six years of PhD work and, you know, enjoy the benefits of their labor. Yeah. And that's, uh, I, I think, one, it, it really is. What is the main point? Uh, avoid getting too allegorical uh, with the different pieces, uh, you know, of of the story. Um, and that was one of the things I think I was trying to say with um, the Good Samaritan of, you know, don't try to, to look at, well, you know, the priest represents the law and, you know the temple guy, I can't remember what his job was. Is there a temple servant or something like that? He represents this. And then the good Samaritan represents Jesus. That is not going on. There's not an allegorical piece to, to a a parable. An allegory was the word I couldn't think of. Uh, And then finally um, it's one of the things that uh, it's not just about reading scripture, but it's about meditating on it. It's about uh, inviting the Holy Spirit in uh, to speak to you um, about um, the parable that you're reading. And then uh, one of the things that um, I think can be uh, useful when you're meditating uh, on a particular parable is is just to sort of either uh, picture yourself uh, present uh, when the story is being told, or maybe see yourself in the story, and um, you know, I, I I don't I'm not trying to get into funky weird stuff, but God definitely can use um, our imagination and can definitely use uh, the creative side that He has given to us, and so um, don't be looking for something that's not there, but meditating on Scripture, inviting the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And then just really uh, kind of um, allowing yourself to be present in the story uh, can be incredibly uh, beneficial to understanding what it is uh, and how God is is speaking to you through that parable. All right. So verse 13 says, This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And I read that verse, and I'm kind of like, oh, that's why the world makes no sense. <laughs> if I can be snarky for a moment. 
Like that, that kind of sums up my experience in the world is that most people see, but not really and hear, but not really, and don't really understand. It's kind of like the blind leading the blind. And, um, I realized that as a Christian saying that, that if you're not a Christian, that might come across as being really cocky. Mm -hmm. I get that. But from a Christian standpoint, if we believe that what Jesus says is true and that we hold the key to a life that makes sense and is fulfilling, then yeah, we're going to have to make that exclusive claim. Um, but I think that if you look at what Jesus said and did in scripture, mm -hmm. he backs that up over and over again to the point that when he does die and come back from the dead, this crazy thing called the church explodes and hasn't really stopped since. Even with a bunch of rough patches in between, mm -hmm. it's still growing at a crazy rate, despite all of the things that the world is trying to do to prevent it from growing. Yes. Yeah. So either everyone's crazy <laughs> or there might be some truth behind this. I mean, you look at the places in the world where Christianity is outlawed. Mm -hmm. Guess what's going on there? Mm -hmm. Christianity thrives. Yes. The only place where it doesn't really thrive is when there's opulence involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I was reading something the other day about practicing Christians in Iran. And in 1979, there was um, 500 Christians in the whole country of Iran. And if you looked at that today, it's in the hundreds of thousands. And I can't remember if it's 200,000, 300,000, but it is multiplied. And that is probably one of the least likely places that you would think uh, that, that Christianity would um, be thriving, but it is. Uh, China is another place that is just uh, amazing. And, um, you know, before you know it, China is going to be sending missionaries to the United States. So <laughs> we could use them, that's for sure. All right. Any other thoughts on? Well, all right. Here's a question Is there one correct interpretation for each parable? I, yeah. I think Jesus, Jesus, um, has a particular set of skills. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no. He he just he has a purpose for when he's telling a parable. And that's kind of goes back to what we were talking about in terms of 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 interpreting it and that's you know um pay pay attention to who um is involved in the parable and then pay attention to um how the parable ends, what the outcome of the parable, uh, because that's obviously a, a, an idea of what um, Jesus is, is um, talking about. The thing, though, is I truly believe that Scripture is living and it is breathing, and 
the Holy Spirit uh, still is active in our lives today. And there is a possibility that you could be reading a parable um, and have a very personal meaning, a uh, very personal example that you feel like God is, is speaking to you uh, through that parable. Uh, if that's the case, um, one, it's not going to contradict other scripture. So uh, if you come to a conclusion that God is telling you something through a parable and it doesn't match um, what the rest of scripture says, then he's not telling you to do that. Uh, the other thing is, is, is if you go to, um, other believers and share with them what you feel like God is telling you through that parable, um, and there it's a, you're part of a Christian community that, uh, seeks God and his word and is, has a foundation in him, then, uh, those people will, will give you um, guidance in terms of maybe the word that you feel like God has spoken to you through a parable. Um, and then finally, I think if you just continue to bring it back to him, um, he'll reaffirm that for you or, uh, he'll take that away from you. And, uh, you know, I truly believe that, that scripture is the primary way that God speaks to us. Uh, and, um, that, while Jesus intended a singular purpose uh, and why he told that story and, and, and had a particular audience in mind, um, God can use Scripture in a bigger way and personalize it for us. But again, it's going to stand up to those other tests and not just... Um, you know, I think so often in our culture, we have an idea of what we want, and then we go to Scripture and we find it. And then it just supports what we believe and what we think. And I think that's one of the reasons why we have so many um, divisions in the church is people aren't going to Scripture and then asking God to speak to them. It's They go to Scripture with an agenda, and they find that agenda there. And I'm not saying that that's an easy thing to avoid, because I'm, I'm probably guilty of it myself. But um, so long answer... It's a very short question, but one meaning, but God can still speak through us through Scripture today. Um, I'm reminded of uh, a parable, a modern parable, that um, our uh, pastor shared at church on Sunday, and it goes a little something like this. There's a, there's a customs officer at the border, and he's, uh, he's getting ready to retire. And this old janky pickup truck comes up and the guy that gets out of the vehicle at the border looks really shady. The customs officer has been doing this for a long time. Can tell from, you know, a mile away, this guy's a smuggler. So he sets the guy aside and he inspects the vehicle top to bottom. Can't find anything. So he lets him go because he doesn't have any proof. A couple days later, same guy comes in a different pickup truck back into the original country. This time, the guy's just, okay, he's up to something. I'm going to get him. So this time, he pulls the bumpers off. He he pulls, you know, he checks the wheel wells. He looks inside some of the seats. Can't find anything. So in his frustration, he lets the guy go. A couple days later, same guy comes back again in a different pickup truck. This time, he pulls the bumpers off, pulls the seats out, checks the wheel wells, and then does a full body search on the guy. Can't find anything. 
lets the guy go. On on the customs officer's last day, the guy shows up again in a different pickup truck. And he says, you know what? I know you're a smuggler. I've been doing this for too long. I've never found anything. It's my last day. You've got to tell me, what have you been smuggling this whole time? And the guy looks at him and says, trucks. <laughs> and so while I find that quite funny, the the... Uh, the the story or the truth or the point of the parable is you sometimes you can try and look too deep into the details and you miss the whole point. Mm-hmm. And so what better way to explain how to read parables than with a parable, right? Start with the big picture. That's probably what God is trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. And then if there are some interesting details, great. But the parables are not in-depth essays. They are memorable stories meant to communicate a broader truth. And I think that um, hopefully we've hammered that home enough this episode. (laughs) Um, So I just felt like that story was appropriate. Yeah, I never heard that before, church on Sunday. And I was like, oh, that's really clever. So, well, I think that brings us to the end of another episode of the Masterclass, Dave. All right. If you want to check out our show notes, which will have links to the stuff that we discussed, you can go to masterclassfm.com slash masterclass slash 47 for those. Or if you're listening on your phone, chances are you can just scroll below the artwork and the show notes will be arrayed for you right there. If you want to get in contact with us, you can do so at Masterclass FM on Twitter. You can get Dave at 10.8HBO, where 8 is the only number. And I'm at Cam Brennan. Also, should you choose to email us, you can do so. MasterclassFM at gmail.com. Any parting thoughts, Dave? No, I'm looking forward to... uh dissecting a few parables here in the near future yes we will dive into the fun stuff next week thanks for listening bye bye